0: Well, hello everybody and welcome back for another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. It's Roscoe here, your host, once again with another great interview. Today we have Baden Schaff. Baden Schaff is the CEO and founder of Skillless.com. Skillless.com is a at-home coaching platform where you can take and receive, and if you're a coach, provide coaching from anywhere around the world to any student around the world. Whether you're locally, whether you're remotely, you can receive golf coaching all using the power of the mobile phone. Using the app of Skillist. It's made me think about coaching differently because I've been whacking balls in the backyard for the last couple of weeks in stage four lockdown, thinking about how can I use this time most productively, as many of us around the world are. So I sought out Baden, who we knew each other not so well, but it was a great opportunity to sit down and learn a little bit more about this technology born and bred here in Melbourne, which is now available all around the world and has been for a couple of years but has really got the eyes of the coaching world on it now jump onto the show notes you can find out all the places to check out skillers.com and baden shaft thanks for listening enjoy this week's episode of the my love of golf podcast enjoy Clayton Chef, welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast. How are you, sir?
1: Very well, Ross. I'm, uh, you know, we were just having a very brief chat about being stuck inside in, um code four or whatever we're in at the moment. But uh, besides that, life's really good.
0: Well, for those listening, and thank you once again for joining us on the My Love of Golf podcast, Baden and I are both in Melbourne. And as if you've been listening to uh, any news of the world, but also the podcast, you know that we're in this uh, COVID stage four lockdown. So either of us are working in our normal environments at the moment, Uh, Baden being one of Melbourne's premier coaches, me being one of Melbourne's premier golf guys in the retail sense. Um, Either of us are doing our normal work, but we're here talking about Skillist, And that's Baden's uh, business and passion. And I guess what the current environment has brought to to me is an awareness of people loving golf, of course, and how people want to keep learning golf and doing golf, especially in Melbourne when they can't. But I guess it applies to all around the world, Baden. So, Baden, before we get into talking about Skillist, and we'll let everyone know what that is, tell us about, introduce yourself. How would we introduce Baden Schaff? I just said Melbourne's premier golf coach. Uh, <laughs> you, you, can, you can agree. <laughs>
1: Uh, it might be a bit of a stretch, but I suppose, look, I um, yeah, I'm I am a career coach and I have for a very long time just been obsessed with helping people get better at the game and probably just as obsessed with trying to figure it out in my own mind sort of thing, I suppose, when it comes to, I, you know, if I do have a fault, I probably am too swing-focused at times. Like I am obsessed with the mechanics of it and trying to figure out, you know, best practices and what works and cause and effect and all those things. Um, but that's very much my brain and it's pretty much where it all started for me. So like as a, as a kid, you know, I was just obsessed with technique, right? I was just loved. I was actually a cricketer as a kid before I was a golfer. I wanted to play cricket for Australia. I was an opening bowler, um, got really bad stress fractures in my back. And, you know, every year I would break down. And so, um, I was lucky enough to literally go and spend just a couple of sessions with the BIS and like got really early um, into understanding technique and, and, um, analysis and stuff like that. And they tried to fix my action up and, um, but I've always loved the way, you know, watching someone ski down a mountain or, you know, go through water with swimming has always been something that I just love technique and best practices and trying to figure out how can I replicate that to get really good myself effectively? Cause I've got no talent at any of those things, including golf, oh, but on. I thought, wow, if I can, if, I, I feel like there are truths out there and I've always been obsessed with trying to figure those things out. So, um, sorry, no, okay. turn that off. Um, so, so basically that's sort of, you know, where my um, obsession with understanding the golf swing came from. I had my very first lesson at Alba Park driving range from Rowan Dummett, who still teaches down at MGA. And at the end of that lesson, I literally turned to Rowan and said, okay, how do I do this for the rest of my life? Like what you're doing is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like it wasn't even like this obsession with wanting to be a player. It was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm going to teach this game for the rest of my life. And pretty much since then, that's, you know, what I've been doing, Ross.
0: What, what age were you when you, you know, came? I imagine the cricket and the golf thing happened in parallel for a little while or did, did cricket stop and then golf start?
1: Yeah, it was sort of in parallel for a little while. I sort of, I took up golf relatively late for most golf pros. Like I really only got serious about it when I was about 18, 17, 18, I suppose. Um, And yeah, it did take over from my cricket. My back was just always an issue. Like back then, you know, I hadn't, hadn't, my body was still uh, a bit of a rake and I just didn't have the frame. And I would literally every year I'd break down with stress fractures. And so... It sort of just more. It never hurt my back playing golf, so um, got into that. And you know what it's like. You get you get the uh, bug, and then you're pretty much away. And um, and yeah, it was sort of after I spent time uh, working with Rowan, and then just trying to understand how I can get better at this, and understand and realizing that I wanted to teach for the rest of my life. That I then moved up to Queensland to go and work with Gary Edward, yep. I suppose. And Gaz is um, a genius, and he's pretty much been one of my you know my major mentor for, you know, the last 20 years now, effectively,
0: so. He's been doing it for a long time, has uh, Mm. Gary Edwin, and, you know, how would you describe, you know, Gary's style of coaching, if that's been an influence on you, and and I know of a number of, you know, golf pros that have been influenced by Gary Edwin and and his, I don't know how you refer to it in a golf coaching sense. is it a style or or a method or a mode, but how would you describe it?
1: Well, um, I can say something pretty controversial if you want, but Gaz used to sort of say, how do you name a truth? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which sounds, you know, it's um, uh, probably sounds like it's a bit of a cult or something like that. But, no, well, Gaz called it right-sided. So when um, he he never really called it anything, like even when I started working with him, it wasn't really, it wasn't called anything. He just taught like the way he taught. But then he went over to America and he was on the Golf Channel one day and the Americans were all like, well, you got to call this thing something. You yeah. know, so like Gaz was like, well, Call it right-sided because it's pretty much in contrast to what had been or even still is, you know, taught, which is, you know, the left side is the thing that moves across you a lot with, you know, lots of lateral and huge turns and stuff. But Gaz always said just pull the right side away from the left a little bit, and that's that's what he he talks about. So I would say, Ross, that he is, and especially compared to – actually, I shouldn't say that because I look at what Bryson's doing and I see a lot of what, you know, Gaz sort of teaches, but it's a minimalistic goal swing. It's not about – massive turns and huge shifts and massive extensions of the arms and big radiuses and lots of leg drive or any of that. He's just more about efficiency. He loves, you know, always talks about martial arts and the, you know, the one inch punch and small motions rather than anything that's too big.
0: Yeah. I got exposed to, I guess, that concept when I came back to the game as a, an old guy, um, because I I came away from the game, but you know, you'll probably know Sean Summers. And you know Sean was made of Peter Lonard, Peter Lonard very close with with Gary, and yeah. and Sean introduced me to that concept. So I got a, a bit of an exposure to to that when I was coming back into the game, and I didn't understand anything about what you just described. I just started to to imply some of that concept. No, I don't think I still do it, but anyway. Um, so that's how I got an awareness of of, of Gary and, and that. Um, who are some of the other players? You know, for the those are listening, and before we get on to talking about skill, which is what we're really here for. Who are some of the players that people would look to to see what you just described?
1: Yeah. um, Well, I suppose that in the modern day, there's – I mean, it's so hard because there's bits everywhere, if that makes sense. Like a lot of – some players have got a lot of it. Like I would say that what Tiger does, especially with his irons now, is a lot more right-sided. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't – he turns in the middle more. He doesn't have anywhere near as much side-to-side motion. And he very much – he goes – around this way more. So round this way and then round this way with his shoulders. So he's quite, you know, level with his shoulders and moving around that way. Patrick Cantlay is a really good one. I reckon if you watch the way Patrick Cantlay swings it. Um, But I think what you'll see these days in golf is that a lot of people with their irons swing it a certain way. And then as it extends out to their driver, it becomes bigger and bigger. And like even Rory, and I actually wrote an article because I write a little bit for golf.com. I wrote an article about the two swings of Rory McIlroy and believe it or not, like with his irons, he's more right-sided, where he doesn't, you know, have, doesn't turn as much with the shoulders. He's got a tighter turn and then he pushes his shoulders around more towards the target, whereas with driver, hangs off the right side, starts at right and hits big hooks, essentially, in, you know, the best sense of the word. So, um, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, even Bryson's got a lot of right-sided ten, ten, um elements, I suppose, in his, um, you know, it's, it's a very much a turn in the middle, not a lot of wrist action, and it's effectively more of an arm swing. So a lot of people would say that a lot of players do that with their irons anyway. Sort of. yep. Yeah.
0: Very good. Now, it's very clear that as we talked about earlier on uh, before we started recording that, you know, you're fascinated by, you know, the, the technique and the perfection and, and – I get it, you know, like I see a lot of golf swings in what I do and I'm not a golf coach and I'm not professing to, to be anywhere close to any of that but I get fascinated by watching a lot of golf swings and seeing how different people make different passes at the golf ball with some degree of efficacy, some no degree of efficacy but I can I can see why you, why you get so absorbed in the world of coaching as you did um, from a very young age. Now, that's obviously then that inquisitive nature has led you to where you get to today as the CEO, founder, and and boss of Skillist, which once again, if no one knows what Skillist is, let's talk about that and introduce that. How do we describe and and let everyone know what Skillist is?
1: Uh, Skillist is the biggest online coaching marketplace in the world. Effectively now, like we've got it to that point where um, it is a platform. It's an app. uh, We've just launched the web app, which means that you can, you know, work off the browser as well. uh, But iOS and Android, you can literally upload video footage of yourself to some of the best coaches around the world. And what we've actually recently done is integrated like and partnered with Zoom. And you can actually have real-time sessions with coaches all around the world through your phone effectively. So, um, So we've got the asynchronous and then we've got the synchronous version. So the asynchronous being where you upload, you find a coach, and we pair you with coaches based on, you know, what you're looking for, Uh, out of your golf uh, what you're looking for in terms of a a teacher and teaching styles Uh, so we can pair you with someone and then you can either interact with them in a yeah as i said a synchronous way where you uh literally have like a live zoom uh interaction with them which can literally be not just a conversation like you and i are having ross but hitting balls in front of someone while you know in their net where that they've got set up in their backyard and and we've got the analysis tool built into it so I can actually – and you can watch me analysing your swing in real time through the app and everything. So it's um, – yeah, that's effectively what it is. It's a remote coaching tool that allows students with, – with, like what we're trying to do is break down every single geographic barrier in the world so that any student can learn from any coach that they want to. And I suppose, you know, it all started with Gary because obviously not only did – it started for two reasons. He was – He taught so differently to everyone else that I was like, wow, this is everyone teaches completely differently. And there must be a coach out there for everyone, if that makes sense. Because I'm not, even though I teach the way, you know, Gary teaches, I would not, you know, I don't say everyone should do that and it's not perfect for everyone because everyone learns differently. So I wanted to create an environment where you could find your mentor. Um, But I also, uh, Gary also had a huge influence because he was literally doing seven or eight or ten online lessons back in 2001. And I saw the effectiveness of it, but he was doing it in a really disjointed way where, you know, someone would email something and then he'd take over to V1 and then he'd analyze it on V1 and then he'd have to take it over to YouTube or email it if the file was small enough. And so, yeah, so that's effectively what Skillist is
0: now. When did you think that, uh, you know, I'm going to take those learnings and turn that into an app? Was it, was an app the only way forward or did it, you know, the embryonic stage started something else? Was it like uh, I'll do this or that or how, how did it yeah. kick off? No,
1: it, it definitely started out as an app um, and I was lucky enough, like my co-founder is uh, one of my students and we literally had uh, the same sort of – we had the same problems from the opposite side of the, uh, of the problem. So yeah. we, I, as a coach I had a problem and as a student he had a problem because – so this is the other thing that we're, we're trying to solve. It's not just about sort of pairing you up with the coach that's right for you, but we, I actually think, and this is something we've sort of learned over you know, the first few years of Skillist, is that the occasional in-person lesson, like every four weeks or whatever, it, it's not a great way to learn sort of thing because you just get this huge amount of information from your coach it's probably not filmed a lot of the time. You don't really have a resource to go home and review during the four weeks and you're sort of left on your own to figure it all out. Yep. And then you come back four weeks later and you have the same golf lesson again. So I was frustrated with the result that I was getting with my students because they just couldn't integrate things uh, quickly enough and remember things. And, then, um, and obviously I also wanted access to a, a, a broader array of students rather than just people geographically close to me. And then he had the same problem on the student side where he just couldn't figure out why do I have to be standing here in front of you to be learning from you and why do I have to just learn from you you know what I mean so so and he is a brilliant coder so uh Alan my co-founder we basically sat down and said and look it's an incredibly long story but we were he was originally going to hire someone to to do it and he was going to oversee the development of all the code but we went in and had the initial app designed Ross and they came back to us with a quote on the design, right? So this is a quote on the design with like no code put down at all. And it was $35,000 just to design the platform. And I was sort of like, Oh my God. And one of our co-founders at the time said, all right, I'm out. This is going to be way too expensive. You know, I'm, you know, I can't you know, do this, but Alan turned around and said, don't worry, I'm going to build this thing. Yeah. And, that's how it sort of started. And so what we would do is we would use it in person every day at work. I'd have like three or four teaching pros with me and maybe, you know, using it, analyzing students It'd break half the time. I'd go back to Alan that night. I go, this is going wrong. That's going wrong. It can't upload. It doesn't do this properly. And Alan would fix it all night, upload a new build, and we use it again the next day sort of thing. And that's how, that's how it all started. And, um, and from that point, we, have yeah we then what we did was then go out and look for and i'm sort of i'm off on uh, a bit of a a rant here
0: no it's good no it's good i (laughs) like it
1: but what we did was then we sort of had this product that was really cool at sharing videos and like coaches could create profiles but we didn't have either side of the marketplace so we had no students and we had no coaches effectively on the platform so we went out and um we sourced we went to social effectively we went to social media and across social now more than when we even started sort of four almost five years ago. Uh, you know, there's uh, so many of these coaches like Gankus and, and, um, you know, and there's a bunch of them, like a bunch of guys on our platform that have got between 10 to 150,000 followers on Instagram, but they never were able to leverage these this following effectively yeah. unless someone flew to them. So we went to these guys and said, Hey, do you want a platform to interact with all of your students? And, that's, that's really how it got moving. So they would obviously then use the platform. We give them all the tools to like plug links into their social profiles. People can go straight in there and like upload video footage like within a couple of clicks. And they would then, the coaches would then be growing their businesses so they'd repost Skillers stuff all the time. So the brand sort of, you know, sort of had this organic explosion out of that.
0: So when was that that it was first given given life, Two, what, five years ago? I remember because I just started doing what I was doing and I, I see it, remember seeing it pop up and, and mm-hmm. um, maybe you popped in to see one of my guys or something like that. But was it 2000 and when?
1: It was, yeah, well, I mean we incorporated the company at the start of 2016. So it's coming up on five years, yeah.
0: It's a great story. It's a great entrepreneurial golf story. There's so many, you know, good, golf entrepreneurs out there and I think your story, you know, being a Melbourne story is, is one that I uh, look up to and, you know, I can only say congratulations uh, to, to what you've achieved and, and I love seeing it grow. Um, you know, you mentioned a couple of big names just there. You know, who are some of the big names that have jumped on Skillist for those that haven't gone on and downloaded the, the app, which I recommend that you do and gone through that profiling process at the start there. Who are the, some of the big names?
1: So the, the, um, the interesting thing that we did deliberately was not ever try and approach guys like um, Butch or, you know, any of these, you know, or Ledbetter or even Sean Foley, even though I'd love to get Sean on board, but we we sort of said to ourselves, what we're going to do is we're going to go and get all of these guys that are this sort of second tier in a sense, right? Because they're much younger, but they're great communicators and they're starting to build a social following. So even more than like the really big names, we were focused on these amazing communicators that were starting to really grow their social platforms so there's a bunch of guys i don't know how active all of your listeners are on instagram but you know guys like jake hart for example that you know is just an amazing content creator on instagram and a a fantastic coach uh he's just been amazing but he's sort of the definition of the guys that we were going after like these great content creators but i mean we've also got amazing coaches like um, you know uh, Drew Steckel, who coaches Kevin Narr, Pat Perez, uh, Jason Kokrak. Um, you know Mark Illman, who's got a um, a podcast yep. as well. Ross is is on the platform, but there's great coaches like Shahin Nakjavani, for example. And Shaheen is um, an Iranian Canadian, right? And he is, I mean, what he does on our platform is just incredible. But he teaches you know players like Stephen Ames and a bunch of guys on secondary tours. Uh, over there and then we've got a bunch of guys like you know Steve Giuliano who's an amazing Australian coach over in uh, Singapore who's one of our uh, favorite coaches and then other guys just all around the world that have got great social followings and doing really good things sort of um, with a lot of elite juniors and stuff like that.
0: Steve is the one that uh, to me pops up a lot I I follow a bit of the work that Steve does and he's got a student at the moment based in the UK young lady and You know, if there was ever a story that supported you know the ability of someone to re- to learn the game remotely from pretty much you know, and you can tell me n- not a not a lot a, a low background, you know, not not a golfer to where she has, is today, it's an unbelievable achievement. And so, who was that? You know, you, you, I'm sure you, you know you can tell us about who it is. You tell us the story.
1: Yeah, so I um, approached Mia about. Uh, four and a half months ago so Mia is a brand new golfer effectively she hasn't even been playing a year but straight away when I saw her on Instagram so I spent a lot of time on social because it's effectively where you know we've built our business but um, Mia straight away I could just tell the way she was thinking about her game improvement that this girl's like something really special and so I like DM'd her straight away she only had like three and a half thousand followers at the time and I said all right we're going to teach you completely online and completely in your backyard so she set a net up in her backyard complete she'd only been on the golf course twice at at this time or maybe even once Um, and she literally and we set her up with steve and just we opened up their profiles and said go and teach her you know teach her as much as you want just work completely remotely and it what it did was create this environment where and this is this is controversial as well and sort of contradictory to what you hear so much which is what people are always saying got to get on the golf course you've just got to play you know just play and grind it out, out on the course but mia was like no i don't want to do that at all i want to get in here and i want to train my body to work the right way i don't want to even she loved the fact that she was even hitting into a net because she was almost playing blind and all she was doing was hitting balls often with like Steve in her airpods. So Steve's in Malaysia for anyone who's out there. Steve's literally in KL and Mia's in London and Steve's in her airpods with the phone sitting up in front of her and she's hitting balls and she's just training her body to do the right things. And um, she's now going out there and like breaking a hundred as a beginner and it's just the most incredible thing. And you've probably seen her golf swing, Ross. It's just been the most incredible thing. It's
0: it's phenomenal. Like, you know some of the 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 golf swing and, and what you see a lot of these you know contemporary modern young you know elite level golfers trying to do some of the moves. You know she's just doing that in four months, and she's comp- the way she hits the ball and compresses the ball and the movement. It's unbelievable.
1: It's it's super exciting, and it's 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 really taught us something, Ross. Which is and Mia and I honestly think that this terminology will become more and more um, prevalent like in coaching. She calls it the, or Steve actually looked it up, but it's the LOL, you know, coaching model, which is little and often learning, right? So previous, which is the exact opposite of what we're traditionally or how we're trained traditionally, which is come in for a golf lesson, spend an hour with someone, hit balls in front of them. You just get, you know, bombarded generally with a ton of info And then that student disappears into the ether and you've got no idea and then they come back for another block session in four weeks' time. Whereas what Steve and Mia are doing, they're literally interacting every two or three days in small consumable bite-sized pieces. So, you know, Mia would stand there for... She might literally only have like an 11-minute session or something with Steve working on one really specific move and then they would do... uh, literally check back in in two or three days say and she'd upload something and say is this right steve would say that's perfect or do a little bit more of this and then they might do a live session two days later and it's all these and consequently she can just like continuously and incrementally improve and and keep layering all that improvement on top
0: yeah well it's a complex skill you know i come from a a learning and development background you know just trying to Help people get better at doing their job, you know, like sales skills or, or customer service skills, whatever. It's a, that's a complex enough environment to learn in anyway. But you know, when you combine cognitive behavior, physical behavior, you know, there's every, all the senses are being engaged. So you know that little and little and often uh, model makes so much sense. It it doesn't need to say that it. You know, when, we're not saying that we're replacing, you know, face to face time, are we? You know, like for the for someone who has a. A coach that they go to face to face. It it's can be seen, should be seen as complementary and not replacing. Yeah. I know the example we just cited was was replacing. You know, it's obviously Malaysia, London, but it can work very much, very well complementary in that sense as well. Yeah,
1: one hundred percent. And look, I've sort of I've said this before, and it, you know, at the risk of sounding you know, controversial again, but I think that so there is a couple of problems, right? But I do honestly think that. Any coach that doesn't offer this as part of their coaching within the next few years will be seen as negligent. To be perfectly honest, mm. where uh, you know there's just not that duty of care in between what's happening and and, and uh, in between seeing them in person. And there are a couple of problems. Obviously, with trying to get it right because I, you know I teach at Albert Park Driving Range now. You know it, it comes down to well, how who takes what from what, and like do do academies and do um, you know teaching facilities really want you interacting with the student when they're not. So I think we all need to sort of come together as an industry and figure out how we can do this and everyone get remunerated the right way and and I think that students will just get better and better. But you're 100% right, Ross. I think that it's definitely complementary unless someone lives uh, on the other side of the earth and you are obsessed with the way that that person teaches and communicates and then it is a better experience for you than even going to see someone in person who isn't right for you.
0: I would imagine that, you know, being an app environment and the back end of the data set that you can get access to, you know, you, you get to see and draw a number of conclusions around, around that sort of concept. You know, does someone follow someone and stay only with a, with one coach, or you mentioned it maybe a little bit before that some people like to sort of dance in between a number of coaches. Do you see, do you have a sense on what happens in that space? 100%.
1: 100%. So it is, it's a combination of uh, all those things. So um, some students are incredibly loyal and will just stay with one person. But we have literally had students that have had almost a lesson with everyone on the platform. Yeah. Like they would have had 20 to 30 lessons with different coaches on the platform. So, um, and look, that can be a case of uh, um, just working on the, uh, going to a coach and trying to get different concepts about the goal swing, or you might get swing advice from one coach and then get your putting advice from Marcus Potter, who's, yes. you know, our, one of our leading, you know, putting coaches. And then you might get your short game stuff from, um, you know, uh, Alex Buckner over in, uh, over in London sort of thing, who's a great short game coach. So everyone sort of, you can also like, you, you, it's like having a team uh, working for you almost like in a college environment or on in, in a tour environment.
0: Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. And, what about, you know, interaction from the coaches, you know, do, do you have a, a group of coaches that you're getting feedback from, you know, you're talking about different coaching concepts or, you know, things like that. I, I don't, you know, I don't know the right way to frame it, but you'll know what I'm talking about. Do you, what, what do you do there?
1: Uh, in terms of like talking to each other about yeah. how we're all teaching and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we do all sorts of things. Like, you know, I even had a, I had a webinar this morning with, you know, sort of 60 of our coaches who tuned in and we, we do a lot of that sort of stuff where we never tell anyone how to teach. Um, We never tell anyone how to teach in terms of their coaching style. We tell them how to teach in terms of how fast they should return their their lessons to their students. Mm. Uh, But yeah, we do, we do a lot of stuff on um, uh, of connecting coaches to other coaches. So we've seen that happen where coaches are actually sending their swings to other coaches to learn from them on the app, because you can actually do that really easy as easily as a coach. You can, switch your account around and become a student yourself sort of thing. So we've seen that happen a lot. Yeah. But we do, we hold webinars all the time. So the other day had a webinar with Steve, with Steve Giuliano and talking about his evolution as a coach from, like because I pulled Steve onto the platform two years ago and when he started, he said to me, Babe, no, I don't think this is going to be much of a business for me <laughs> and I don't really see it being anything, you know, really um, substantial in what I do day to day. And he now, and obviously COVID's had a bit of an um, influence on this, but he now, you know, he's got 60 monthly subscribers that pay him a monthly fee to have 24-7 swing support uh, every single month. And he charges yeah. plenty. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's now become the big part of his business. Like he, he does three days, three and a half days of digital stuff and then he does two days in person, whereas he used to do six in person. So he's actually been able to take an extra day off a week sort of thing so anyway we got him up in front of everyone all the other coaches and he basically just talked about how we made that transition and um and best practices in how to teach online because there are so many nuances and, and different ways to do it because you can't be there and push people around so you, it does take time to get to get good at
0: it and, how, and and how do you do that you know when you say you can't be there and push people around you know you see a lot of coaching videos where it's coach and student in a video sense and you know there's a bit of touchy-feely stuff happening how do, you, how do you cater for that?
1: We, uh, what we do is, um, I mean, the great thing now is with the Zoom integration, like if you can communicate well, you're, pretty, you're, you're always good at, you know, getting people to move the right way. But the way, what it does, and so many coaches have said this to me, it makes them better coaches. Yeah. Because in the past, what they used to have, they could literally just walk in there and sort of go, I can't explain this to you, but I'm just going to put you there. right? Which a lot of coach students, that's not very helpful to a lot of students sort of thing. It's sort of like, well, I know I'm here, but why am I here? And what am I doing from here sort of thing? Whereas what it's done for a lot of coaches is really dragged their communication skills out of them and their, how they articulate things so that people can actually understand them really, really clearly. So, and one thing that the coach said to me once is that he never has, he's never given a bad online lesson because the environment's so different where, especially in the asynchronous format where you send something and then you analyze it. When someone does that, like someone sends it to me, I'm, I can sit there and look at this thing for 15 minutes before I say anything. Yeah. Right? Whereas in the in the sausage factory that is a driving range or something like that, like if you go to Alba Parker and someone walks in for the first time and they're hitting balls and they're it, you're like, all right, this is all you, you're forced into a really, really quick decision, and sometimes you can go off down the wrong track and spend the first twenty minutes, you know, going the wrong way with something, and then spending the next twenty minutes sort of backtracking, and then hopefully you can fix it by the end of the lesson, sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas the asynchronous nature of um, teaching just allows you to make these really calm, concise, you know, really, um, yeah, I think a lot more. Um, Thoughtful decisions
0: considered, on what you're going to do with. People. Yeah, a lot more considered, uh, considered feedback. Now, mm. obviously, you know, March this year, we know what happened, and in COVID hit. What, what did you What did you see when COVID hit in terms of skillist, in terms of people wanting to do golf, in terms of people wanting to do golf differently or having to do golf differently? What happened there?
1: Yeah, it went. Yeah, you know, it went crazy (laughs) it went a little bit crazy and it's it was um exciting but also hard to manage a little bit because we are still you know a small team um but and it was also hard because a lot of coaches wanted to jump on board at the time and what we've actually done is that we don't actually allow coaches to sign them up onto to sign themselves up onto the platform we sort of talk to coaches and we bring them on and then we sort of onboard them one at a time. So that was quite difficult because I was getting like, you know, 20 emails a day from coaches saying, hey, I want to get on the platform sort of thing. Um, But we had to make sure that that was weighed up against the students on the platform because, you know, we had to get the two sides of the marketplace right. But, yeah, like as of sort of today, Ross, you know, know, there's 10,000 active students on the platform every month. So um, that that are learning online every month. So, you know, that's sort of, you know, it's probably – uh, double what it was when you know around March, sort of thing. So it's yep. um yeah the bit um, and even, or maybe even slightly more than that. So to have you know that many students learning on the platform every month is just you know super exciting.
0: And how many PGA shows have you been to now with the brand?
1: Um, I've, I've so we only went to one where we actually had a stand and like you know sort of did the thing um, uh, and realized very quickly that the uh, Orange County. Uh, convention center just takes you for absolutely everything they can it's like the most expensive exercise you'll ever do in your life it was definitely worthwhile but now I I go every year because it's there's you've been haven't you Ross? No I
0: haven't no I've missed uh, missed an opportunity uh, last year but no I didn't go.
1: It's just the greatest networking environment you could ever be in like you just meet so many great people and um, we don't have a stand there but I always book heaps of meetings and I think I've been to been to five now, so it's um, it's 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 just a great, you know, like the scale of America is just yeah. incomparable to what we're sort of used to here, and and everyone converges on the place. Like I think there's, you know, sixty thousand people over three days, and the majority of them are golf pros and in the golf industry, sort of thing.
0: If we can talk about the golf swing for a little bit, and you know, you with, you know, your approach, you know, what do you notice in the swing and the. Oh, I don't know how to frame it up correctly. What are you noticing in the golf swing? How is it changing and evolving? You know, like I, I go back to when I was a kid getting taught at uh, Narrabeen um, Sport and Rec Camp by uh, Ross Herbert and a few other guys, and there was definitely a, a style back at this is mm. 80s, 90s sort of thing. And now there seems to be a, a style happening, you know, low hands, wrist bowing, different, all different things. You know, I'm, I'm not qualified to talk about it, but, you know, what do you what do you notice, you know, from a coach's perspective on the current uh, thing to yeah. do? I, d- I don't know, you know what yeah, I
1: mean? I do, and I think that um, there's no doubt. There's, I mean, there's things happening everywhere, right? So you've got what you know George is doing, and how you know Gankis, George Gankas for anyone out there who uh, doesn't know who I'm talking about. George is just this amazing force of nature <laughs> over it's, in, uh, in LA. A who, good way to a know, good,
0: had- good way to describe him. <laughs>
1: Yeah, who is literally just his own man. I've met him and he's just incredible. And he's um, got, like, I mean, he doesn't teach like anyone really. So George is doing what he's doing, but obviously influencing hundreds of thousands of people. He's got across all of his platforms hundreds of thousands of people following what he's doing. And then, like, it's undeniable that the Stack and Tilt guys have had a huge influence, I think, on the way a lot of people teach. So um, Stack and Tilt, meaning for those out there that don't know, is that, you know, Oh, well, you know, I, I, I don't teach it, so I'm not going to say that um, uh, what I'm about to say is completely qualified, but, you know, stack and tilt, they like to stay right in the middle and extend their right side so that they, they tilt a little bit and stay, you know, in the middle and turn in the centre as they say sort of thing, which then this is the other thing that's really changed in coaching. So is uh, Jim McLean obviously came out with the X Factor, which was essentially don't turn your hips and then turn your toppers much as you can, essentially, right? It was trying to create as much resistance between your lower body and your top half, mm-hmm. right? So massive shoulder turns, no lower body turns. Now that the um, and I don't know if you would say the stacking tilt guys sort of had a massive influence on this, but now everyone's teaching huge amounts of lower body turn. So everyone wants you know the, the right hip to pull right back around, and they even say straighten the right leg. I don't love straightening the right leg personally. I think, you to keep a bit of flex in it, but they love lots of lower body depth now. Um, But, yeah, and I think that, yeah, the stacking tool guys have had a big influence. There's a lot more lower body turn. People don't like lateral motions. They don't want to go side to side as much, although depending on who you watch, you know, there is a little bit of a a move back towards going side to side. And then what you are talking about, which is the, you know, the um, flexion of the left wrist, I think that's probably a result of just what we've sort of always done, Ross, which is watching what the best are doing and then trying to copy it a little bit. Yeah, and right. We've just sort of had this, you know, there's so many guys running around at the moment like John Rahm and DJ and even Morikawa's got a lot of it. You know, he's got that, you know, bowed, flexion, you know, shut club face. So when we see things like that, it just, people just can't help themselves to think, all right, that's got it. That's, that's, that's working. And that, that must be the secret that I'm missing sort of thing. But um, yeah. So seeing a lot of that. Yeah. Who, I suppose.
0: Who drives that? Does it, does the player drive that? And you know, like you may have just mentioned there, oh, I've noticed, you know, DJ has that you know left wrist bowed. I want, I want to know what that does. Or is it the, the coach driving that saying, Hey, have you seen DJ with, you know, that flexion in his wrist? Let's do that.
1: Such a good question. That's an awesome question, Ross. It's like, If you had have said to to me even until recently, I would have said it's always the coach driving it, but um, I actually went and had a really amazing session, a 3D session uh, with Marty Joyce down at uh, Spring Valley, and Marty didn't even really teach me anything as he just put me on a 3D uh, machine effectively, and we could see the way my pelvis was working, my top was working, And it was just a great session with Marty. He didn't try and teach me anything. He said, just this is the data, have a look at what's happening here. And he sort of just led me on my way so that I, and I suppose I'm sort of, you know, because I love the golf swing and I know what I was looking for, I was sort of able to fix myself. But it was an amazing experience with Marty because I think that it taught me a lot about the way I probably teach too much the other way, which can be a bit too instructive. And I think what Marty did was literally get out of the way and just say, what do you think? like have a look at this and what's your interpretation sort of thing. And so I think that it really does depend on the coach. And um, I think there's probably the perfect blend of the two somewhere where, you know, you you need to be able to allow students that moment, those moments of self-discovery and then uh, coaches uh, also need to drive the, drive the car at times as well.
0: So just on the golf swing, who are the golf swings in a professional sense that you really enjoy watching at the moment?
1: This is going to be the most boring answer ever, but I just love, Tiger, like I think the way to—I actually think Tiger is swinging at the best he's ever swung it by miles, um, by miles. Like way better than he did even when he was you know dominant in 2000 and 97 You know when he first burst onto the scene, you know he's never turned in a better direction on the way back, and he's never turned in a better direction on the way through. And that's why he now hits all the, these fairways because he used to always try and draw it. He used to love hitting that sling hook, which is why. Uh, Hank Haney wrote the big miss. You know what I mean? He had this gigantic miss that could go both ways and it was because he always tried to draw it and get stuck on his right side and then have to use his hands a lot. Whereas now he doesn't do that at all. He just hits that baby fade down there because he's, he's got the club out in front of him more and and goes around a lot more. So I just absolutely love watching. um, I love watching Tiger who else do I love? You just There's a couple can, of guys out there. I love like Billy Horschel. There's a couple of guys I don't like, which is like I don't like watching Rory swing a golf club. Believe it or not. Oh really? So, you just, yeah.
0: You've just upset just, ha- you just upset half my listeners. I know. <laughs> no, I
1: know. I know. That's why I don't say that too often.
0: Can we go back to Tiger? Like his, you know, body issues are obviously well documented. How much of you know his modern swing versus you know his 19, you know, 90s early 2000s swing is a result of the body issues versus just being a better and more complete way to hit the ball and find a fairway. Uh,
1: awesome question again. And I think it's a combination of the two. So he's obviously had his back. I don't know, like I'm going to do something which is really horrible for a podcast, but I'm going to like use hand gestures to try and explain this. But like with his old goal swing, the more his spine increased, you know, to the right side like this, which is when he used to hit his drawer and what he always, how he always used to swing it the more you would compress the vertebra like that, you know what I mean? Where yeah. the right side would compress down like that. And that's constantly um, basically going to, you know, that's going to damage your spine effectively and, and um, damage the bone. Whereas when the vertebrae sit directly on top of each other like this and they turn like this, there's none of the compression. Mm-hmm. So now he goes more around with his shoulders, you know, a little bit more level like this, not as vertically. And then as he comes around, he goes around, more horizontally like this. He always watched Tiger. His arms always look like they finish over to the left because his shoulders are going around uh, a lot more. And consequently, his, verte- his vertebra is sort of working in a symmetrical fashion on top of each other. They're not compressing back on themselves as his top hangs over on the right-hand side, if that makes sense. So, But, it, but I also think he has been a student of the game and he's figured that out as well, that it's also, wow, this actually allows me to release my shoulders around release the club with my body and not
0: with my hands, which is what he always used to do. So, Yeah, okay. So a little, so a bit of both. Hmm, interesting.
1: Yeah, I think a bit of both, yeah.
0: So, mate, um, I think, you know, it's been a fascinating chat. I, I'm, I really do appreciate your time and, you know, it's great to see, for me, just to watch on my socials, all the coaches that I follow pop up, the Skillless brand popping up more often. You know, uh, Mia, Mia that we were talking about before, Mia Alex, is that right? Mia, is that her name? Mia Alex?
1: Uh no no, it's her Mia Baker. But oh, for Mia. some reason. Yeah. Her last name's Baker, but her handle is Mia Ella. X.
0: Mia Ella X. There you go. But so her middle
1: name's Ella. And then I think she put a kiss on the end of it or something. The, so it's very confusing. But yeah, people should watch that story.
0: Yeah. So it's great for me to see, you know, the Skillist uh, brand pop up everywhere. And knowing that it's a, a Melbourne born and bred story, it was uh, only a matter of time that uh, we connected and, and w- I wanted to talk about it because it's a great business story and a great product. And it's uh, really good to see something going so well for you, mate. I really do, really do congratulate Thanks. you.
1: Yeah. Thanks Ross. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, you too as well. Like everything you do for the game is just fantastic. I just absolutely love what you're doing and I'm um, always watching and listening. So thank you for everything you do for the game as well.
0: Just an old boy having a hit of a golf ball, trying to, trying to share a few stories, mate. That's uh that's all we could like try and can do, or try and do. Awesome. But I'll put in the show notes where everyone can get hold of you or see you or, you know, follow your Instagram and uh, all of the other accounts that you're a part of. So, um, if that's all right with you?
1: That would be absolutely fantastic. We'd love to see everyone on Skillist and on our social and uh, everywhere.
0: Beautiful. Chef from Skillist.com. Thank you very much for joining us on the My Love of Golf podcast.
1: Thanks, mate.